if you can see on the screen, there's the word unoffendable. And we're starting a new series today. And I want to preface my entire talk today in this entire series by saying whatever I say in this series is meant to be taken in the most loving, grace-filled way you could possibly take it. Whatever I say, give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm saying it because I love you and I'm really just preaching at me. Okay? Or can we agree to that before we start? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sometimes when I'm preaching, I feel like if I had a mirror right here in front of me, it would be just fine because that's who needs to hear it the most. Uh, As we're thinking about this term unoffendable, have you ever noticed how people seem ready to get upset about anything these days? I saw, I heard one yes, kind of a half-hearted yes. Yes, it's an, it's an epidemic. Everywhere around us, people are getting upset. Have you ever gotten so upset by something that you saw that you wanted to yell about it? Or you saw something hanging up and you wanted to go tear it down? Or you wanted to tell everybody else how awful it is? Come on, have we all been there or not? This is, I know this is not just me and it's not just for us. There is an epidemic going on of this right now. And that feeling of wanting to yell, wanting to shout, being upset like that, that feeling is called being offended. And uh, this is not something we're supposed to do. I'll say this up front. Dave Maris sitting over there in the back. Uh, Last year, Dave told me his New Year's resolution was to be as offended as possible. And, and like February, March, April, he's like, my New Year's resolution's going great. Like, this is working out. Like, I'm offended by everything. Uh, being offended, if you look it up in the dictionary, being offended means the state of being insulted or morally outraged. It literally is a state of being. It's a way of existing. It's a way that we weren't designed to exist, but when we get upset like that, when we feel insulted or we get outraged about something, it literally transforms our state of being so that we're walking around upset, offended. Being offended changes us, but not in a good way. Not, not in the way of change that we're talking about for 2021 for God's word to our church. Uh, it moves us into a different frame of mind. And I will tell you that being offended is tiring. You will wear yourself out if you're carrying that stuff around all the time. Maybe you've been experiencing the feeling of being run down and no energy, and maybe it's because we're just angry all the time, and we need to let go of some things. Uh, As I was getting ready for this message, I saw a couple memes. Here's one up here. There's a guy that says to his friend, I don't even know what movie or TV show this is from, so hopefully it's not offensive to anybody. (laughs) He's telling his friend, he says, you're too easily offended. And his friend says, I can't believe you just said that. Come on, that's what's happening right now. And it, and it also reminded me of, I, I have to admit, I love to watch The Simpsons. I didn't get to do it a lot after, after we were married and the girls were growing up. Pam was like, this is not good for the girls to see that. But one of my favorite episodes of The Simpsons, this two guys in a bar stand there. Homer walks in. The one guy says, hey, you, let's fight. And the other guy says, them's fighting words. And they start fighting. Ah, oh, come on. Any Closet Simpsons fans in the house with me, you have to appreciate that. It may not always be as obvious as that. It may not be, hey, let's fight, but there is an epidemic of being offended by things that people say and do right now. Think about this list with me. People get offended by how you talk and the words you use, what sports team you root for, who you voted for in the last election, what sign you put in your yard to vote for people. They get offended just by how you look at them. You're walking by in the street and they think you gave them a sideways glance and all of a sudden they're upset and they're offended. Uh, They get offended, uh, offended if you insult something they like. How many of you ever heard somebody say something about your favorite movie? And all of a sudden, like, I got to defend that. That's, that's a great movie. What are you talking about? They get upset if you insult something they like or say, I didn't like that. People get offended by how you drive. I, 
this is, I didn't know what to feel about this. this I thought it was completely inappropriate. Um, but I heard a guy that said he, he bought a bumper sticker that said, honk if you love. And it was like the most offensive thing possible that you could think of. I'm not even going to say what it was. I'll let your imagination run wild. You can fill in the blank with whatever. And so he put that on his car and he was like, now when I cut people off on the bridge downtown, they go to honk and they see that bumper sticker and they're like, oh, if I honk, people will think I like that. <laughs> anyway, how you drive offends people. It's, it's an exercise in offense every time you go out and travel. People are upset and they're offended right now by Dr. Seuss books and Potato Head. If, you've seen, if you haven't seen the news, bless you. You're, you're avoiding a whole lot of mental anguish right now. Uh, people get offended if you're late for something because their time is valuable. And how dare could you be late when I've been sitting here and waiting? People get offended when you put ketchup on food that they've lovingly prepared for you. And you're like, is there anything else to go on this? I have no idea about that example. I'm just saying it from a friend's story. People get offended on what you spend your money on. Come on, that's a thing right now. People look at what you invest in or the money that you have to spend and they get upset about it. How could you spend your money on that? People get upset and offended by chewing with your mouth open. Again, no personal experience there at all, but I will say I did ask a couple of our grandkids if they remembered that God gave them lips. Oh, what a terrible pap I am. But I love you guys. <laughs> oh, people get offended by being talked down to. If they think you're belittling them or you're talking to them like they're stupid or they're less than. People get offended by what kind of music you play. Come on. How many of you know that is one of the biggest offenses from one generation to the next? The next generation's like, you call that music? Oh, there's so much stuff. You get offended by people leaving the toilet seat up or down putting the toothpaste tube on the back on the top you know there's things that we get offended how about this one people get offended about other people getting offended when we're struggling so much as a society that we're looking for reasons to be upset and we even get upset because somebody else gets upset at something that's a new low i think if i will tell you that list could go on and on we could get something that we would all resonate with and we'd step on some toes in this place this morning but if it is a human behavior an opinion or a style it has the potential to offend people that's that's just a reality of where we live. That's part of human nature. That's what's going on right now. Uh, Pam's brother, actually, he showed up to a place where uh, Pam and her siblings were, and he brought everybody in the family a book. And the title of this book was Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. If you want to go read it, uh, in, in fact, we're getting ready to start life groups after Easter. If you're a New Life member and you would like to lead a group of people reading through this book, come see Steve Jones after service, and, and he will make that happen for you. I think it would be great to read through together as a group of people. But the point is, Pam's brother brought this book, and I was telling somebody that story because when he, she came home with it, and she's like, hey, Bill gave me this. I grabbed it. I'm like, I got to read that for me. And I, I think the, what God's been speaking, we all need it. So I grabbed this book and I was telling somebody where I got it from and they said, you know, if one of my siblings had brought a book to a gathering of our family called Unoffendable, there would have been a fight. It would have been like them's fighting words. We're going to throw down right now. And uh, honestly, there's so much good in it that I was having a hard time narrowing down what to actually talk about. There's so much of a need for us to be people that are unoffendable. And uh, we're going to talk about how to not be offended, I hope, 
That's something Jesus is going to help us with. We're going to talk about what to do if we've offended somebody else. And I'm just going to say up front, you can, you can argue, this is like one of those signs that says, I believe this, prove me wrong. We can choose to be unoffendable. We can choose to be people that don't take offense at the things that come our way. Out of all the things that we have control of in the world, how we respond to something is the thing that nobody can take away from you. And as Christians especially, I believe we can choose to be unoffendable. Now, I'm I'm not talking about not addressing injustices or not saying anything when things are wrong. I'm talking about doing it in such a way that doesn't allow offense to undermine our Christian witness and rob us of relationships and destroy the things around us. We can choose how we respond to the things around us, and we can choose to be unoffendable. Uh, so where do, offensive come, where do offenses come from? This was something that just dropped in my heart this week. I don't even know if it's a dictionary definition you could look up anywhere, but this is what I felt. Offenses are created when selfishness and anger get together and have kids. That's, that's where I think offenses come from. It's like anger starts hanging out with selfishness and it's like, ooh, this is great. We should get together. And they do. And all of a sudden there's offenses that start popping out and we can own those things. And it boils down to, we really do get angry because we think it's about us. Our expectations don't get met. We don't like what's happening around us. People don't do things our way, which if you were here last week, how many of you know, our way is always the right way. That's just what we believe as human beings. We think our way is the right way, and we get angry when people don't do it our way, and that's where offenses come from. And I will tell you that anger is a quick path to living an ungodly life. In, in Ecclesiastes verse, chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. On. There's a lot of things that we go around pointing fingers. Oh, that's silly. That's foolish. That's dumb. But being angry, the Bible says, is actually the one of the things. It's like you might as well wear a sign or a shirt that says, I'm a fool, if we let anger into our lives. And as Christians, we, we're kind of exempt. We think, oh, I justify how I'm feeling and behaving by saying it's righteous anger. How many of you have ever heard that? How many of you ever tried it as an excuse? Don't raise your hands on that one. Or, or we say something like, oh, we're just hating the sin. Oh, okay, control your temper for anger labels you a fool. And I will say I've met a whole lot of people, and I have yet to really meet somebody that I think is expressing anger in a righteous way, the same way that the Almighty God would do it. I I think when the Bible talks about God's anger or his justice or his wrath or all those things, it's on a different level of emotion than what we experience as humans. And, And I will say, thinking about offenses, unfortunately, the church doesn't seem to be immune from taking offense at things. This epidemic that's going around. I think uh, we, we argue about different things than the world does. The world gets upset about Dr. Seuss and Potato Head. We come to church and we get upset about, oh, the service went too long or it was too short. Or, I don't like the color of the carpet or the color of the walls. Uh, it's not my style. Could we just do some different music and break something else out? We should have done that more. We should have done that less. We should have stayed longer in that moment. Jesus was here. He was moving. You cut it off. I don't know what it is, but we complain about all this stuff. How we did communion today. Man, Ryan talked too long, and he used too many big words. (laughs) It's not, we're not immune as Christians in the church. Humans seem to be prone to being offended, or at least being tempted to be offended, and the church is full of humans. And so epidemic of offense still happens in the church. The problem is we're supposed to be different. 
Because Jesus lives inside of us. We should act differently than the world. We should respond differently than people that don't have Jesus living inside of them. Christians owe it to the world to get over ourselves. Thank you for that one amen. And thank you for all the stares and approving looks I'm getting right now. We owe it to the world to get over ourselves because we're representing Jesus in talking about the new life that we've been given and how Jesus completely saved us and redeemed us because of Christ. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is right after the verse that says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. All things are new. And in verse 18, he says, God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And he has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. Our calling from Jesus is to be relationship restorers, not relationship destroyers. And I will tell you that offenses destroy relationships. When we hold on to grudges, when we get angry at people just because of the way they behave, believe, or how they look, we're destroying those relationships. And it's doing the opposite of what God has called us to in 2 Corinthians here, that we are relationship restorers. When we choose to be offended, we have a hard time doing what this verse tells us to do. When, when I'm offended and upset at someone or a particular group of people... Kindness, love, and blessings are not the first things that pop into my head when I think of them. If I'm holding an offense at Pam, can we be real for a second? If, If I'm holding an offense at Pam and I'm so upset, you said that to me or you did that to me today, I'm not thinking about, hey, honey, let's let's go out on a date tonight. Let's be nice. Let's hang out together. Let's sit on the couch and cuddle. I'm thinking about, man, I'm still upset from what you said earlier. And when I do, when I hold on to offenses like that, I'm not being a relationship restorer. It's hard, come on, let's make it even more real. It's hard to evangelize lost people if we're continually offended at how they're acting. The only possible exception you could make is in the Bible, Jonah was really ticked off at the people he went to evangelize. But how'd that work out for him? Like God put him in the belly of a fish for three days and then spit him up on the land. And then the story of Jonah, even after the people repented, the story of Jonah ends up with him sitting under a bush saying, God, I'm so angry I could die. I don't think that's a very good evangelism strategy for today. And if I'm offended at people, I have a hard time sharing the gospel and sharing what Jesus did for me with them. And I can't, I need to remember, come on, Jesus didn't get offended at sinners. Sinners, sinners act like sinners sometimes. And Jesus didn't get offended at them. He ate with them. He fished with them. He went to their houses. In spite of what other people thought about it. You're going to that guy's house? He loved them. He endured their abuse. Come on, this, we're talking about sinners. He endured their abuse and he forgave them. When he went to the cross... He carried every offense that we could ever imagine with him and nailed it up there on the cross in his flesh. And this is when God saved me, he not only took away all my sins, he deprived me of my right to be offended. We we get so excited about the forgiveness of our sins part. 
But if you really think about it, we have no more right to be offended because everything that anybody else could ever be guilty of, I'm in the same boat. I was a sinner. I needed a savior. Jesus went to the cross for me. And if we forget that, we start getting in this mode of self-righteousness where we have a hard time extending that to everybody else and we think we have a right to be offended. And we need to remember what Jesus did on the cross and let that stuff go. Everything I've ever done, he's forgiven. And then he turned around in scripture and told me to forgive other people that same way. The hard part for me is he didn't remove my ability to get offended. He just took away my right to get offended. I can, I can assure you my ability to get offended is still working very well. There's things that are going on that I have to check myself because I start getting upset. Like, I can't believe they're making a deal out of that. Or that's being promoted. I got to check myself because everything that I've ever done, he's forgiven. And he said, forgive others that same way. That's the part where we need God's help to ask him to transform us, to change something inside of us. Uh, It sounds kind of old school to say it this way, but to say I took offense at whatever fill in the blank is pretty much describes what happens. That's, That's what's going on. When something occurs, you have a choice in that moment. Am I going to take offense? I think... A great example is this. Have you ever, any social media users, you're scrolling through your news feed and you have a choice in that moment when you see that thing. Am I going to take offense? I, I got to write something. Or I guess write something would be, that would be the proper motion for that these days. Or are we going to let it go and just keep scrolling? That's a great example for life. When I see or hear something that is going to offend me, do I say, wait a minute, I got to interject here, I got to hold on, I got to take that offense, or do I just let it go and keep going? This may be a vast oversimplification, but step one to ending this epidemic is let it go. Don't take offense anymore. And this don't take offense anymore is not to be confused with we're not going to take it anymore. Any, any 80s glam rockers in here? Yes. Come on, who's, who's we're not going to take anymore? Yes. D. Snyder, Twisted Sister, filed his teeth down. We're not going to take it. Come on, that's like the anthem for what's going on in society right now. It's, it's this crazy, stupid 80s metal, glam metal hair song. And it's like, it's the anthem for what's happening in our society right now. We've got millions of people looking at their own pet issues, standing up and yelling, we're not going to take it anymore. Don't you know how mad we are about that? And instead of we're not going to take it anymore, it just needs to be simplified to don't take it anymore. Let's, let's stop taking those offenses. For, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the season of Lent. And some of us, we don't need to give up a certain food. We need to give up being offended. I, I really do think if you're, if you're into the meaning and the tradition of Lent, like you understand what's behind uh, basing yourself or fasting or giving things up, there really is something to that that would be meaningful for you. And I think there's a lot of us, it's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give up broccoli for Lent. Anybody ever do that as a kid? I'm fasting Brussels sprouts for Lent. I love Brussels sprouts, but I I would fast beets for Lent. That's what I would tell my mom. How about instead of giving up something like that, we make a conscious decision. Lord, how about just, just until Easter, God, can you help me not be offended at things? 
That might, that's a long way away for some of us. God, that's like three or four weeks. How about God till Tuesday? Could I not be offended at things? That, that might be a more attainable goal for some of us. But don't take it. It might be a vast oversimplification, but it's a great place to start. Does the Holy Spirit live in us or not? Does the most powerful being in the entire universe dwell right here inside of me? If he lives in me, I think he could help me not to be offended and to choose to stop taking those things. Let's, come on. That just, it just popped into my head. But that's really what we're doing when we choose to take offense. We are devaluing the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. We're telling him, hey, you're not able to pull this off. You're not able to keep me from being angry at that. Oh, Lord, help us. Lord, help me. Where's my mirror? I need to just look in the mirror. Come on, recognize that the enemy's trying to bait you into taking an offense. Because when we take an offense, it gets our eyes off of Jesus and puts our eyes back on ourselves. And that's not where we need to be looking. Uh, man, here's another thought. Things, I think things come into our lives as seeds. And we can choose whether or not to plant those seeds in our lives, whether or not to water them, to fertilize them, to let something sunshine on them. We can choose to cultivate seeds or not that come into our lives. Sometimes we aren't aware of the seeds that come in until they start to grow. But we still have a choice. Am I going to water that thing? Am I going to fertilize it? Am I going to cultivate that seed that's been planted? And here's what happens if we don't take care of getting those seeds out of our lives. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. When we forget how gracious God has been to us, we start to get offended. Those seeds start to grow roots. In fact, I think if we could see it in the, in the spiritual realm as a reality, there's like a whole network of root system growing in our country right now of those seeds that have been planted, that bitterness that's in there, and it's defiling many people. When we forget how gracious God's been to us, we think we have a right to hold on to stuff. The next thing you know, the seed sprouts roots, and it says uh, they are bitterness they are roots of bitterness. And uh, that word bitterness in the Greek is pikira, and it really means smelly, vile, and foul-tasting. It's like, what's the worst thing that you could ever think of that you don't even want to be around it? In, in our house, this is where we differ. Pam would look at that and say, oh, that's sauerkraut, or that's cabbage. And, and I'm like, man, that sounds like delicious to me. Let's throw some sauerkraut. And she won't make it because to her it's bitterness. It's vile. It's foul smelling. And she won't do it. But it's like, think about that for you. What's the worst thing that you could imagine ever being around? Like, I don't even want to see that, think about it, smell it, taste it. And that's the kind of roots that grow in our lives when we get offended. And those roots eventually produce fruit. And it usually pops out at the worst time possible. When we think we're trying to be a good Christian person and have it all together, that root pops up because something comes in front of us that we're offended about. We also get into a place where we think that, man, it's just me. My offense doesn't hurt anybody else. I can be upset about that thing. And it says in that verse in Hebrews twelve fifteen that it causes trouble and poisons the hearts of many. It's not just about us. There's other people watching us. You might, you might be a single person living by yourself. There's still people watching you. 
your coworkers at work, the kids around you, the, the people that you interact with at the grocery store. There's people watching us, and those roots of bitterness defile many people. Man, for us, for parents that have kids, we really got to watch because the roots that we let grow in our lives somehow have a way of finding themselves into our kids, even when we think they're not watching or they're not paying attention. I love this in Hebrews. It says, watch over each other. Why does it say to watch over each other? Because we don't want anybody to miss out on God's grace. When something happens that we want to get offended about, What if every time that happened, we thought about somebody that needed Jesus? What if if the choice was that black and white, that stark before us? Hey, you can either be upset about this or this person could get saved. I would hope that our heart is in a place where we would say, man, I would let go of being upset in a minute if I could see people come to know Jesus. It says watch out for each other to make sure no one misses out on God's grace. So, As hard as it may be, or as theoretically hard as it may sound, this is our action item. Let it go. And I'm not going to sing you any songs from Frozen. Maybe. If I was was enticed to it, some karaoke later. I got lots of kids in the room that could probably sing that along with me, but... Let it go. What... Think about this with me for just a second. Really, really quick. Just close your eyes, go here for a minute, and think what or who is the last thing that you got upset about this week? What just popped into your head? It could be a person, it could be an issue, it could be something that's been going on at work. What's the last thing that you got upset about? And I'm, I'm going to tell you right here standing in this pulpit, that's the thing God's saying, let it go. And that's exactly how we respond to him sometimes. Well played, Sam. That was right on time. How many of us have ever done that to him, though? God comes by the power of his spirit. He puts his finger right on something, says, here's your issue. You need to let this go. And we turn around and we say, no. God, you don't know how much that hurt me. I need to, I'm entitled to hold on to that. And thank you, Jesus. He never turns around and to spite us says, oh, see those whip marks? You don't know how bad that hurt me. He has every right to say that. See those nail holes? And yet we think we could stand there and say, Jesus, you don't know. I'm entitled to hold on to being offended about this. Ah. All right, so whatever you thought about in that moment right there, we're not going to say no like Sam did. We're going to take 30 seconds here, and we're going to pray forgiveness and blessing over that situation. I don't, I don't care what it is, who it is. It may be a whole people group. It may be just one situation. But we're going to pray to forgive and bless. Because sometimes if, if, if I just say pray for that, we pray prayers like, Lord, fix them. Lord, smite them. Like, we're going to pray to forgive and bless because that's what Jesus is after. Lord, we come before you right now, each one of us holding an issue in our heart. Lord, you see every single one of us and what's going on. And Lord, we just ask right now that you would come 
in the middle of that situation and let us respond like you. Empower us, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit to be the one that forgives and blesses and lets go. God, we thank you that you know what's best for every situation. You know what's going on in people's hearts. You know their motives. You see why they do the things they do and they say the things they say. But Lord, we're going to let you be their Lord. And we're going to let you deal with what you want to deal with in our heart. And so God, I thank you right now all, all over this room as we let people off the hook, as we forgive, as we bless, as we ask for your favor to be upon people groups and people that have hurt or offended. Lord, we just trust that you are the God who will do what is right in all situations and that what's happening right now in our heart will bring freedom and liberty, that weights will come off of us, that that baggage we've been carrying around, trying to be so offended at everything, that you're just removing that right now. That is a burden that you want to have us give to you. (laughs) And if you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, uh, all of those offenses and weights and baggage can be dealt with today. All the things that we really have done that have hurt others and the sins that we've allowed to rule our lives, that can be gone today just by saying, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I I give my life to you. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. What you did on the cross is so that I wouldn't have to live with all this junk in my life. If you do that today for the first time, if you say, Lord Jesus, I believe and I want you to be my Lord and Savior, please let us know. Either come up front and talk to us after. If you're watching online, send us an email later. We'd love to connect with you and tell you a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world to start a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> the hard part comes on mornings like this when all the good Christians, we're all gathered together and we hear a message that says, we got to forgive and let things go. Oh, then the rubber meets the road. Jesus, are you really my Lord? Are you the boss of what I get to do and say? God, I just thank you, Lord, that you are even filling those places where we've let go of stuff. Fill it with your spirit. Fill it with your love, your joy, your peace, your righteousness. Let it flow in our lives. God, I thank you that you are the master of exchanging things, that you are the master of filling empty, broken places with your goodness. And so, Lord, we thank you for a refreshing coming upon us right now, even as we let go of those things. We thank you for the ability to not pick them back up when we walk out of this room and we see those same things again. Lord, remind us that we just gave them to you today. We just say that we love you, we honor you now, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.